0: BLOCK TALK RADIO Welcome, BLOCK TALK RADIO listeners. I'm Evangelist Wanda Clay, sharing God's sacred word Bible study with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you do. And though our best isn't good enough, we come asking for forgiveness. You are like none other, higher than the highest. So I ask that you fix that, that needs fixing, everywhere for everybody, because you already know our needs. Fix them, Lord Jesus, and move in me, Lord, to help others understand your word on this talk show. I pray that you continue its growth, and bless Blog Talk Radio financially and spiritually. Lord God, give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of what you want us to know. And I pray for those who seek your word to find you, Heavenly Father. Bless and watch over them in Jesus' name. Let them and everyone everywhere learn to depend on you. And those who have found you, strengthen us, Lord. Lead and guide us, not into temptation, but help us to just walk away. Bless those, Lord, who are struggling and those not struggling, because we all need a blessing from you, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, help us to love and pray for ourselves and others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before I start, let me again thank God for guiding me, and I pray for everyone's understanding of His Word. And as always, I thank Granny's Place and Minister Joel Lewis for giving me this opportunity. I'm here three Fridays a month, 8 to 8.30 a.m. Plus, on Facebook at Peace Keep God First. You're welcome to join our group 24 hours with questions, answers, comments, recipes, and much more. Now due to time on block Talk radio, I will give you the outline of each chapter and comment on some verses. In this Bible study, we will study from Genesis to Revelations. Now let's get into our lesson. First Thessalonians chapter 1. The outline is as follows. The first part, verse 1, the apostle begins with a thanksgiving to God for the saving benefit that's been bestowed upon them, and also in verse 2 through 5. The second part, verse 6 through 10, he mentions the true evidence of the good success of the gospel among them, which was famous in several other places. Verse 1, this epistle Paul wrote is a good example to ministers of greater abilities and reputations in the church than some others. This epistle is written to the church of the Thessalonians, converted Jews and Gentiles. This church is said to be in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ that they had fellowship with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. First John 1 and 3. They were a Christian church because they believed in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed in both principles of natural and revealed religion. Now, the Gentiles among them returned to God from idols. And the Jews among them believed Jesus to be the promised Messiah. All of them were devoted and dedicated to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. To God as their chief good and highest end. And to Jesus Christ as their Lord and meditator between God and man. God the Father is said to be the original sinner of all natural religion, and Jesus Christ is the author and center of all revealed religion. You believe in God, says our Savior, believe also in me, John 14 and 1. Now the salutation or the benediction, grace be with you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the same as the other Episcopal's. Grace and peace are joined for free grace. And where there are gracious dispositions in us, we hope for peace through our own hearts. Paul says that grace, peace, and all spiritual blessings come to us from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God the original of all good, and Jesus the purchaser of all good for us, in God, in Christ. As all good comes from God, sinners' hopes come from God in Christ. And the best may be expected from God as our Father for the sake of Christ. In verses 2-5, through five, the flip is script. Excuse me. The script is flipped, though he makes no mention of his apostleship. The apostle begins with thanks to God of the things that were joy and praiseworthy for the advantage to God, who is the object of all religious worship, prayer, and praise. Paul wrote. Even when we don't actually give thanks to God by our words, we should have a graceful sense of God's goodness on our minds. And he said that thanksgiving should often be given. And not only should we be thankful for the favors we receive, but the benefit restored on others also. The apostle gave thanks not only, for those who were his most intimate friends, but for them all. And he mentioned things like the benefits bestowed on them for their faith and works. And he tells them in verse 8, their faith was very famous and it spread abroad. Paul says that wherever there is a true faith, it will have an influence on your heart and your life. It will have us work for God and our own salvation. We'll have comfort in our own faith and the faith of others when we perceive the work of faith. Show me thy faith by thy works. James 2 and 18. And Paul gives God thanks for the love and the labor of love. It's one of the cardinal graces in this life it is our great use to us. And it's great use to us in the life to come. Faith works by love. It shows itself to love in love to God and our neighbor. As love will show itself by labor. And Paul thanks God for their hope and their patience of hope. Because Paul says that we're saved by hope. There is well-grounded hope of eternal life through patience. For we, if we hope for that which we can't see, then do we with patience wait for it? Romans 8 and 25. And Paul flips the script here again, and he writes about God's electing love of these Thessalonians Thus known to the apostles by their fruits, their sincere faith, hope, and love, and their successful teaching of the gospel that was among them. All those in the fullness of time who are called and sanctified are eternally elected and chosen to salvation. The election of God is of his own pleasure and mere grace. It's not for the sake of any merit in those of whom are chosen. Another ground or reason of the apostle's thanksgiving is the success of his ministry that was among them. He was thankful on his account that as well as theirs that he didn't labor in vain. He had the seal and the evidence of his apostleship and great encouragement in his labors and, and suffering. This is how he knew their election, by the success of the gospel that was among them in verse 5. And he's thankful to God for it, that the gospel came to them, not in words only, but in power. They not only heard the sound of it, but submitted to the power of it. It affected their hearts, a divine power, convinced their conscience, and amended their lives. It came with the powerful energy of the divine spirit, the Holy Ghost, the spirit that giveth life. Wherever the gospel comes in power, it is to be attributed to the operation of the Holy Ghost. And unless the spirit of God accompanies the word of God to render it affectionately by its power, It would be to us of no use. They were willing to leave everything for Christ and venture everlasting on the variety of the gospel revelation. The word was not like semblance of some philosophers about matters and opinions and doubtful speculations, but the objects of their faith and assurance. Their faith was the evidence of things not seen. Verses 6.13 Again Paul is flipping the script. In these words we have the evidence of the Apostles success among the Thessalonians which were famous in several places. They were careful in their holy uh, conversations to imitate the good examples of the apostles and ministers of Christ, verse six. As the apostles took care to demean themselves wise well for their own critics and the benefits of others, so the Thessalonians observed what manner of men that they were among, how their preaching and liberty were all of a piece, and it showed a conscience care. To be followers of them, or to imitate their good example, so they became also followers of the Lord, who is the perfect example that we must strive to imitate, and we should be followers of others no farther than their followers of Christ. 1 Corinthians eleven and one. Their example made good impressions upon many people. They had received good impressions from the preachings and the conversations of the apostles, and they made good impressions, and their conversations had influence upon others. Christians should be so good as by their example to influence others. The Thessalonians were so very extensive and reached beyond the confines of the Thessalonia, even to the believers of all Macedonia and further places, and others who received the Gospel before them were edified by their, by their example. They gave themselves to God, to the living and true God, and devoted themselves to His service. They set themselves to wait for the Son of God from heaven, verse 10. As this is one of the duties of our holy religions, to wait for Christ's second coming. As those who believe He will come and hope He will come to our joy. The believers in the Old Testament waited for the coming of the Messiah. And the believers now wait for His second coming. And there's a good reason to believe He will come, because God raised Him from the dead, which is full assurance unto all men that He will come to judgment. Acts 17 and 31. And there's another good reason to hope and wait for His coming, because He delivered us from the wrath to come. He came to purchase salvation, and when He comes again, He's bringing salvation full and final deliverance from sin, death, and hell from that wrath which is yet to come upon unbelievers. And when it comes, everlasting fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25 and 41 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 The outline for chapter 2 is the first part, verses 1 through 6, the Apostle puts the Thessalonians in mind of the manner of his preaching among them. The second part, verse 7 through 12, he speaks of the manner of his conversation among them. The third part, Paul speaks of the success of his ministry with the effects of both of them. The fourth part, verses 17 through 20, he concludes and he apologizes for his absence. We'll focus on verse 13 through 16, the success of his ministry and the effects it had on them. And verses 17 through 20, he concludes the chapter and apologized for his absence. In verse 13 through 16, the Apostle writes of the success of his ministry among them. And Paul says, receiving the word of God, which you heard from us, not as the word of men, but as with truth, the word of God, the word of the gospel is preached by men like ourselves men of like passion and infirmities with others. These sacred articles, the Apostle preached by divine inspiration, that's on record and written in Scripture by divine inspiration, this same word which in our days is preached today. Those who give out their own fantasies for the Word of God are greatly to blame. We should receive the Word of God as the Word of God with affection suitable to the holiness, wisdom, verity and goodness. The words of men are frail and perishing like themselves and sometimes false, foolish and fickle. But God's Word is holy, wise, just and faithful and like its author It lives and abides forever. So let us receive and regard it. By the wonderful operation of this world, they received it. Those who by faith receive the word find it profitable. It does good to those that walk uprightly and by its wonderful effects. Evidence itself to be the word of God. This converts their soul. And enlightens their mind. And rejoices their hearts. Psalms 19. And Paul says. This inward testimony of the truth. Of scriptures. The word of God. The operations thereof. On their hearts. Have the best influence. Of their divine original. To themselves. Through this though. This is not sufficient to convince others who are strangers. He mentions the good effort efforts which his successful preacher had on them and his fellow labours, and he thanks God and he just continues to thanks God in verse thirteen. The apostle expressed his kindness to God, so often on this account, that he seemed to think he never could be sufficiently thankful that God had counted him faithful and put him in this ministry and made his ministration successful. Upon them, the word effectively in them, not only to be examples unto others in faith and good works, which he had mentioned before, but also in constancy and patience under uh, suffering and trials for the sake of the gospel. And Paul tells them that you became followers of the churches of God and have suffered like things as they have done verse 14, and will like courage and consistency with the patience and hope. The cross, he says, is the Christian's mark. If we are called to suffer, we are called only to be followers of the church of God. So persecuted they the prophets that were for you, Matthew 5 and 12. It is a good effect of the gospel when we are enabled to suffer for its sake. The Apostle mentions the suffering of the churches of God, which in Judah were in Jesus Christ. Those in Judah first heard the gospel, and they suffered for it. For the Jews were the most bitter enemies Christianity had, and were especially enraged against their countrymen in every city where the apostles went to preach the gospel, the Jews stirred up the people against them. They were the ringleaders of persecutions in all places, as it was at Thessalonica, Acts seventeen and five. The Jews that believed not, moved with envy envy, took until uh, them certain things and gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar when they did this the apostle uses this as a characteristic of unbelieving Jews verse 15 even to justify they found rejection in the run of their place in church and nations which was now approaching They killed the Lord Jesus and wished that his blood might be on them and their children. They killed their own prophets as their fathers had done so. They had been a prosecuting generation. They hated the apostles and did them all the mischief they could. They prosecuted them and drove and chased them from place to place. They killed the Lord Jesus and persecuted his followers. It didn't please God. They had lost all sense of religion and duty to God. It was a most fatal mistake to think that they did service by killing God's servants. Murder and persecution are most hateful to God and can't be justified on any pretense. They are so contrary to natural religion that no zeal or any true and only pretended institution of religion can ever excuse them. They were contrary to all men. Their spirit was a perverse spirit, contrary to the light of nature and humanity, and to the welfare of all men, and contrary to the sentiments of all men, not under the power of bigotry. They had a dislike to Gentiles, and they impeded them because of the offers of the gospel. And they were preventing the apostles to speak to the Gentiles because they may get saved. The means of salvation had long been confirmed to the Jews, Salvation is of the Jews, said our Savior. And they were envious against the Gentiles and angry that they should be admitted to share in the means of salvation. Nothing provoked them more than our Savior speaking at them at any time concerning this matter. This enraged the Jews at Jerusalem when in his defense, Paul told them that He was sent unto the Gentiles, Acts 22 and 21. They took all they could take from listening to Paul. But then they couldn't endure no more. And they lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from this earth, for it is not fit that he should live. Thus the Jews filled up their sins, and nothing tends more to any person or peoples Filling up the measures of their sin Than opposing the gospel Obstructing the progress of it And hindering the salvation of precious souls For the sakes of these things Wrath has come upon them to the uttermost That is, wrath was determined against them And it will soon overtake them and it wasn't many years after this that Jerusalem was destroyed and the Jewish nation cut off by the Romans. When the measure of any man's inequity is full and he has sinned to the utmost, then come wrath and that to the utmost. Verses 17 through 20, Paul flips the script. Again, and in these words, he apologizes for his absence, and he tells them that he was involuntarily forced from them, that they were taken from him, in verse 17, by the rage of persecutors, and he was unwillfully taken away by night to Berea, Acts 17 and 10. And though he wasn't with them in body, he was present in heart. He had still a remembrance and a great care for them. And he tells them that Satan enhanced his return. Verse 18. That is, either some enemy or enemies or the great enemy of mankind who stirred up opposition to Paul, even in his return to Thessalonia. Uh, Maybe when he intended to return or something was stirred up in those places. So he did not get a chance to make it there. But he assured them of his affection and high esteem for them. Though he was not able to be present with them according to his desire. Paul says, it is happy when ministers and people have such mutual affection and esteem of each other. And especially if they rejoice, if those that sow and those that reap shall rejoice together in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at that coming, ministers and people must all appear before Jesus. And faithful people will be glory. And joy of faithful ministers in that great and glorious day. This ends our Bible study. I pray God's word to shed some light on things for you. I'll see you next time right here the same time. And don't forget to visit us on Facebook at Peace Keep God First. And don't forget to check in with God from time to time. 24 hours is free. May God bless you and keep you until we meet again. Bye.